Welcome to the inaugural episode of The Muses Unsuppressed. I am Janika Muse, and alongside me is my beautiful queen, Adrienne Muse, who is a preacher's daughter who was born and raised in the church. <laughs> and in today's episode, we are going to talk about the queer deconstruction of the black church and Christianity. But people are probably wondering why the muse is unsuppressed. Listen, it's been a long time coming, but I'm glad we're here. Mm -hmm. um, if you've been following us on our different platforms, uh, social media, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, you know, we've been heavily suppressed. I think it's queer, black yes. women, mothers. Uh, we've had pages taken down. Okay, we've had reports. Definitely threats of our, sh like mass reports. It's ridiculous. The comics were taken, the art, the queer art, like it's a lot. So yeah. we wanted a platform where we are free to do what we want to do, say what we want to say. Right, and we are unsuppressed because right. no more of that. No more. Unsuppressed. It makes sense. It does. And I, if you believe it or not, I think everybody wants to feel unsuppressed. Everybody should want to feel like they can express themselves creatively, Free, no matter what exactly. that looks like. So, Well, we here now. Shout out to Muse Mafia. Yep. If you was with us, uh, what, in 2016, 2017, you already know what it is. But if you wasn't, welcome to being a Muse Mafia what do we call them? Like a Muse Mafia gang or... I hate the word gang. I, know, I hate that too. I kind of like cartel. Cartel's kind of sexy, but Definitely no, not we're better. not doing that. But, Definitely not uh, better. But I, I hear you. Well, help us out, friend. Help us out. Y'all Y'all got to let us know what, what we need to call y'all. Muse Mafia what? Right. Yeah. All right, let's jump, let's jump right into it. I don't really know the segment format or how we want to play this, but let's just jump right into the hot topics. Well, mm -hmm. sad to say, but not really. But I mean, the queen, Beyonce, is finally at the end of her beautiful, uh, iconic renaissance tour. That is sad, though. Right? I'm, I'm low-key sad. It's the people on TikTok saying that after this tour, Beyonce in the bed for the next five years while we <laughs> waiting for act two and act three. We know. We know that's the truth. Man. And that's okay. You know, she understands the law of scarcity. She Ooh. understands the law of, I'm going to let y'all tickle it a little bit, and then I'm going to make you thirst for me for years. She under she masters that. She definitely did. And I yeah. mean, she did go to, like, all these different cities to, like, give you a tour and a performance. Oh, so, baby. like, if you missed it, that's on you. And if you missed it... Sucks to be you right now. I don't want to rub it in people's faces <laughs> too much. All I'm saying is, besides the fact that she literally saw us. I know if y'all didn't see that, we did post a TikTok. No, where seriously. She looked at us and said, Oshun energy. I mean, I'm just saying. During Oshun's energy lyric, during Black Parade, she comes out on the big shiny Hummer. Yes. With her red outfit on. Red outfit squatting over the seat. <laughs> well, a good 42-year-old Meganese keeps looking towards the crowd to make sure her spacing is right. Mm. Scours the VIP A section for my tall ass. Okay. And looked at me, squinted, and said, oh, Shun's energy didn't give me a heads up nod. Yeah. Now, for two days, I was questioning my damn self. <laughs> I know you was. She was like, oh, babe. I think. She looked at that. She looked my way, and I think I got that on camera, but you could not find it in your phone or in mine, and it wasn't until... No, but no. Stay, stay there, because okay. even the girls, I was like, y'all don't understand, because they was there. They was just in the other seats. Yeah. I was like, y'all don't understand. She saw me, bro. We locked eyes. Yeah. I'm telling you, I'm not crazy. But there was no proof. Mm -hmm. So I sounded a little too hopeful. <laughs> I wasn't until I that Next. video. I was Girl. like, you know, just like, okay, yeah, cut this part, cut this part. 
No, because you brought the camera. I did. I bought a vlogging camera just so I could make sure we got footage. And it wasn't until I was editing that video that I saw that she looked. And I was like, babe, babe, I found it. I found it. Look, look, look. <laughs> it was a wrap. You can't tell us nothing. No, because when I seen it, I wanted to cry. Because not only was I validated. Right. That was shared energy. And the energy that we shared. Yep. I literally about to say. And the energy <laughs> that we shared. It, and it was a quick, like, you know how you tell yourself? Do she know me? Or you say something shocking and your brain automatically be like, nah. Right, right. It was a coincidence. But bro, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. The I know. girl said it. The girl said she be scouring the internet. She definitely be on the internet. It's and Beyonce. you know we painted Oshun for six years. We did. I, I done painted at least four or five different Oshuns mm-hmm. that have gone literally viral. And if you Google it. Yeah. So the fact that she, I don't care. Even if, even if she didn't know me or us or never even ran across my art. Mm-hmm. What up, Oshu? <laughs> real recognize real. And, you know, the daughters recognize the daughters. Energy recognize energy. You feel me? So I'm going right. to take that. I'm going to take that one. You should take that. And then, you know, Blue Ivy being Ugh. 11 years old, like. That was one of the biggest it? highlights. To, like, of, just see her just no, in that essence of that. Like, it's crazy. You know, like, let's just, like, merge that into, like, what who our muse of the week is. And it's, it's definitely, for blue. me, Blue Ivy. It has nothing to do with the fact that, you know, we're beehiving all that. This girl is 11 years old, went on a city tour with her mother. You mean po- a countrywide tour, girl? Sorry, excuse me. Countrywide tour with Wait, her mother. Wait, did she do worldwide? Did she come out in any other, other countries or just America? I think she did. When they she was in Paris, I think that was the first time she came out. Baby girl is killing it. That, that, is. that baby is 11. And up close? Mm-hmm. Bro, we were up close. I started the blue chant. <laughs> yes. There is recorded proof. It is. Blue. And didn't she just do like Tina Knowles? Like her makeup She literally just did her makeup. Yeah. Like she is. She is one to watch. I'm trying to tell y'all. So shout out to Blue Ivy as the muse of the week because... 11 Facts. years old what were you doing at 11 years old Facts. was it was it being on stage in front of all them hundreds and thousands of people absolutely not I was exactly. just trying to stay out of hell oh. all right, at well, 11 Ain't that some- well you know we gonna dig a little bit deep into that <laughs> where that even comes from cause whoa <laughs> that was heavy <laughs> <laughs> yeah well we'll get into it more but I do love to see the creative freedom mm-hmm. and I love to see mothers who aren't envious of their daughters who Mm. are coming up behind them it never truly counts when they're young to in my opinion as a mother who's raised two daughters who are now adults yes i can confidently say you cannot call yourself an amazing mother Mm -hmm. until those children can do it that's right. Until and it's not until you become an adult as a child Absolutely. when you actually say, "I oh, know my mom did an amazing job." Absolutely, because you can feel like you were the best mother in the world, uh, but if it ain't coming straight out the horse's mouth, absolutely, where you nine? And so when I see their dynamic, she's not intimidated by her daughter who's coming up behind her. She's not in competition with her daughter. She's not trying to do all the things her daughter wants to do now, right. like. Most unfortunate black women mm-hmm. have that, I think, generational curse of when you're when your daughter reaches the age of they're starting to develop and, you know, yeah. become a little bit more of a young adult. Not saying necessarily Blue Ivy, but in my children's case, they did start developing and growing up at around 11, 12, 13. Mm-hmm. And I just remember feeling like, man, I do remember where I was at this age. And 
it wasn't fun. It wasn't beautiful. So to see the mother literally fist pump her daughter and mm-hmm. as a symbol to I pass it on to you, that made the concert for me because that's how I live my life with my kids. It's true. And it's like, I even kind of sense that Beyonce is saying, I'm honored to share this space with you. Like the fact that as a mother, you're able to provide opportunities where you can actually invest in your mm. children's interests mm-hmm. and provide them all the resources that they need. Like, right. And not be afraid to give up your crown. And also just because, you know, the shot may have been missed when you was a child and now you have children and you might feel like, oh, I still want to, you know, have that <laughs> part in my children's life. No, it's not about you. Like your children... It's like a representation of who you are as a mother, as a woman. And mm-hmm. that's where your goal is. Do right by your kids. Like, I know. you know, I agree. And I, hopefully we can get the girls on as guests soon. So Ooh, on the next episode, that would be great. Yeah, because... and they can give their perspective of like all of that. Yeah. So shout out to the Blue Ivy and your mama. Yeah, shout out to my mama. My mama definitely was one of the mothers who encouraged me. And I don't know how she did it as a single mother, but she definitely invested in my interests, whether it was pageants, cheerleading, whatever it was. She did that. So shout out to her. But I was definitely talking about Beyonce. Oh, sorry to her. But yeah, I was talking about her mama, Beyonce. But your mama did an amazing job, too. I, I aspire to be like her. You are. Okay, so speaking of mothers, um, I know that you have a very interesting religious church background. And some people might not know what your background is, but, you know, let's just kind of talk a little bit about what your experience is when it comes to the black church. And we could just basically deconstruct all of this right now. Basically, I was born and raised in the church. I'm the oldest of four children. Both of my parents are together and still married. They were married before I came into this world. And when I popped out into this world, I have been at church every Sunday of my life for 22 years and every Wednesday for Bible study, every Friday for Hmm. um, Friday night service, occasionally double on Sunday. And I went to a Christian private school where we had chapel again every Wednesday and we had Bible as a course throughout the school year. So, whoa, I was born and raised and indoctrinated to be the next pastor. Mm. And that's what they told you you was going to be not asked if you had an interest. No, this is what you're going to do. In fact, it was prophesied many times in the cult that I was born and raised in. A lot of people like to still refer to it as a church. But um, 16 years in therapy taught me otherwise. Um, It was hell. Mm. It was hard. And I didn't want anything other than the day for me to turn 18 to come. Ever since I was maybe six years old. I would have been waiting, anticipating that day. So what could you say as you was growing up in the church, like as a child, if you remember, What were some of the issues or things that you started to notice that kind of didn't make sense or that you had questions about? Girl. I was always the kid in church during vacation Bible school, Sunday school, Bible camp, whatever it was, whether it was adult services or not, 
I think it was because of my undiagnosed ASD brain at the time. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that things a had to be accurate for me. Mm-hmm. They had to make sense. I was I was okay with faith, but I didn't need you to push me in academics so hard to say believe everything they tell you in science to get these A's or I'm gonna whoop your ass. But also take all these talking snakes, pregnant versions, and 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 coming back to life men just as serious as you do one plus one equals two. Mm. And so I was always the kid saying logically. I need this to make sense, guys. Let's put let's make one plus one equal two for this. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm raising my hand in church. And then it was always like, for example, they used to always tell the story of Lucifer in heaven. And has, as he was an angel of God and and how men and earth would be doing all of this evil. But in heaven, God like was the, was the head guy. And, and Lucifer, who was the devil, mm-hmm. uh, was over the praise team and the worship team and, and uh, praising God all day. Well, they were telling the story that the devil got or I should say Lucifer got so jealous of God that he was like, well, you know, I'm 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 so and so. And so God got angry at his sinful nature of being envious and jealous and cast him and a third of the angels down to to earth. Great story. Cool concept. I got questions. (laughs) This is me at seven years old. Now, I'm just really trying to understand. I'm not trying to combat anyone. Mm. I'm not trying to be a troublemaker. I'm literally an honored student Mm. in gifted classes just trying to make sense of this. If anything, everyone else in church wasn't even paying attention. I was the, the, the kid that's a fucking nerd trying to be saved and not go to hell. Right. So I'm literally asking, like, wait a minute. We're in heaven, right? Pastor goes, yeah. Okay. This was before God casted him down to earth, right? Yeah. Well, who put the spirit of envy, the sinful spirit of envy, into Lucifer's head? Who who cast that evil thought in heaven? Ain't heaven supposed to be sin free? Mm. So meaning it had to exist from somewhere, but nobody could tell you where it no, came I from. I wanted to know because if the devil was once good, mm-hmm. who the fuck was the original devil? Mm. Uh-oh. <laughs> they didn't want to answer that. It was to the point where it was like, honey, don't, don't question God. We don't question God. You are born of a sinful nature. He is omnipresent, omnipotent, and you don't ask him nothing. He did what he wanted to do. Ooh. I said, well, he sound like a slave master. Mm, sound like they didn't know the answers themselves. He sound like the history books that I was reading. Mm. Oh, okay. And, and, so, and so starting then, I, I realized as my mother was a pastor, evangelists would come to our church. No one could answer these questions. No one at my school, no one at my at my Sunday school, no one. Mm. And so I became so curious and so frustrated that these beliefs and this oppression and being a woman, everything about being a black woman was so oppressive mm-hmm. growing up in church. You have no body autonomy. You, 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 you have to raise yourself up to be submitted to a man, to be fruitful and multiply just to have your streets paved of gold in heaven after you die. I didn't like none of that equation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where's the fun? Where's the fun for me? It ain't none. Exactly. Cause it sounds like once I hit 18, I got to be a servant to a man, mm. then a servant to God my whole life and then go to heaven and still be a servant and pray all day. That, that wasn't clicking. For, I don't understand why we grown y'all grown. I was at this point, I was looking at my family like, Y'all are grown and y'all are making me stop believing in Jack and the Beanstalk. What's the difference? Or Chris or Santa Claus or what's the difference? There is none. The tooth fairy. What's the difference? 
Mm. Y'all believe in these talking snakes, but you telling me that dinosaurs didn't exist? They definitely did. So, so with all of that, what was the dynamic like for you, like being at home? At first, my first years of growing up, I always like to put it like this. I tell my therapist, before I had breasts, everything was okay. When I started developing, everyone around me became critical of me. What I wore, how I sat, how I acted, how I talked, what I liked, what I found interest in. Everything was wrong. Everything was bad. I, want, I used to write plays in school and church. Mm-hmm. And so when I grew up, I wanted to be a writer, a producer, an actor. That was quickly shot down. So you mean you're going to read scripts and lie? Even down to the point where I wanted to be an attorney. I was so intelligent. I was a smart ass little girl. So you're going to lie for your clients? Can't do that. Oh, no. These are indoctrinated beliefs that I needed therapy. Well, I can only imagine like because when you do attach, you know, Christianity with, you know, trying to be an attorney or trying to, Mm -hmm. you know, pursue a career where those things actually happen. It goes against everything that the Bible teaches you. So that. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, they wanted to either raise a pastor or they were okay with the doctor scenario. Mm, Even though the doctor sometimes... They were okay with that. And so I did end up getting a scholarship, an academic scholarship to uh, UF and University of Florida. You were smart. Yeah. And you was kind and you was important. (laughs) I guess. You was. Well, now look at you now. I bet they all try to dial that number to get in touch with uh, Madame Muse. No, I'm no contact, baby. I know. It says <laughs> they try to call you. If you like to make a call, please hang up and try again. Yeah, you might want to call Jesus on the main line. Ooh, I don't think Jesus is going to answer. Well, you better tell him what you want. I ain't got nothing to do with it. <laughs> Not of that. Jesus, I would like to speak to my daughter. <laughs> and I would Sorry. like to speak to you about my reparations. Mm. I got I got some questions. I'm just saying I'm not here to shoot down nobody's beliefs. Yeah. This is my experience. Yes. Your experience, your opinion, my, my research, my own. knowledge, my I listen, I, I'm not even going to get into how I prayed just without ceasing mm-hmm. relentlessly every second of the day. And to the fact where and to the point where I, I developed um, what they call religious OCD. It gets deep. Where it's like you repetitive, maybe just keep repeating Bible scriptures and things like that over and over. Well, the first the first memory that I can have that I can recall, I think I was in the second grade and I had a lot of trouble sleeping. Mm-hmm. Lots of paranormal activity happening when I was young, but just unable to sleep. I had a lot of insomnia. The whole house was sleep and I was just up, you know, and. As I was up, I remember my brain starting to, quote unquote, play these tricks on me. I couldn't stop cussing in my mind. Mm -hmm. For example, I couldn't stop saying, damn, damn, like intrusive thoughts. I didn't know that that's what it was. Yeah. Intrusive. Damn, damn. And every freaking time it came in my mind, I had to pray and ask for forgiveness and repent. That's what we were taught. You have an immoral thought. You have a a sinful uh, temptation or feeling. You need to just, all you got to do is pray, ask God for forgiveness, and it's over. But what that does in the mind of a seven-year-old is it torments me. It tormented me. Over and over, it was like, damn, oh, Father God, in the name of Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. I repent right now. Uh, Come into my life and and forgive me and, and, and make me whole. Amen. 
damn. Oh, Father God, in your name. Like it was over and over, over and over. And it was, you don't give up because you don't want to go to hell. The, the, the scary part is not getting a whooping. The scary part is not the abuse. The scary part for me at that age was being left behind in this hor- horrific, terrible story of the rapture that at any moment, if I have one immoral thought or one sinful thought, including wearing earrings mm. back then, I couldn't wear earrings or pants. So I had these clip on plastic earrings that my friends would bring into play. And I would, I just wanted to fucking wear the ruby plastic earrings. That's it and play. But in my head, it was like temptation to wear a sinful item that I was taught for the last eight years of my life. That you, I'll go to hell for. Mm-hmm. So instead of just having fun, doing my fucking art, doing my math, I am tormented 80% of my day with my thoughts. It was child abuse. The church indoctrinated me. It was literally equal to child abuse. They've uh, done brain waves and research in psychology lately. Mm-hmm. And, and my therapist said, um, basically, and I'm a paraphrase, being indoctrinated in a fundamental it being indoctrinated in a fundamentalistic church um, is pretty much equivalent to being consistently abused as far as your brain waves. Mm-hmm. You're consistently being abused as a young child indoctrinated into this. Like no one gave me the options of any other choice. Yeah, so because I was like all- I said, when I was learning when I was learning ABCs, I was also learning there's a an endless, bottomless fiery hell, tormentive pit that's just happens to be hell that God's going to pluck out of obscurity and then also put into the lake of fire. So it's seven times hotter than the sun. Oh no! And this was told to me when I'm supposed to be sitting in class learning. That is horrible. Indeed. No child should ever have to like grow up like that. That's heavy and too much. And it's only going to be detrimental. Like you said, you have to go through so many years of therapy just to get that off or to just try to understand how to separate that life from the life you're trying to live as an, as an adult. Yeah, no, it's, it was very hard and I'm still deconstructing. I'm 16 years in uh, therapy now mm-hmm. and I have an amazing therapist. So thankful to, to him to even breaking down. Like it, it ended up becoming such a, mental fuck that my therapist had to start with you're never unfortunately going to be able to completely erase everything that was implanted into your brain at such a young palatable age and so what you have to do now unfortunately for the rest of your life is fight you have to battle them you have to battle them because what it did was it started to lead into different belief systems about myself. Rich is evil. Bad is evil. You'll get, I'm sorry, rich is evil. Wealth is bad. And, and, you know, as long as you're a servant of God and you give God all your glory and you make sure you pay your tithe and you, and you, 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 you do everything that God wants you to do in this life. You get your streets paved of gold in the next life. That was what turned me because I realized at my Christian school, we had more access to books. Mm -hmm. So when the other kids was playing, I was in that library. Well, also, I'm sure your school was had a different demographic than your actual church, too. It definitely did. It was like I went to the church in the hood. Mm-hmm. Definitely all black. But like at school, it was all white. It was a pro- predominantly white 
Christian school and they did church different. They just had church differently. Well, let me ask you this. After learning pretty much growing up as an adult or being an adult, looking back on everything, did you ever blame your parents for indoctrinating so much of that in your life or did you blame God? You know, at first, I didn't know who to blame. I blamed myself. Even though I couldn't take it, I couldn't bear it. I took it as when I turned 18, I left the church. I mm-hmm. left. Sorry. When I took when I not 18, I left. I left my home at 18. Mm-hmm. And when I left, I went to UF with this with this weight of guilt. Like, I know I'm a sinner. At this point in time, I was a sinner. I was born into sin. My mama tried to beat the gayness out of me at least twice of my life. Mm -hmm. I tried to pray it away most of my middle school and high school life. He clearly wasn't answering any of those. So I just said, you know what? I'm going to leave this as a sinner. So I took a lot of that on guilt as far as like, well, I know I'm a sinner. I didn't have any other perspectives to look at it. I didn't even know there was anything to deconstruct at my current state of mind. At that point, I was like, I left the church in the story. I had no idea the hell that was already in me. I left the church. The church ain't left shit. Mm. Still tagging on you. So when it comes to you knowing that you were gay, was that something you always knew as a child or how did that play out as you were growing up and having Mm -hmm. that strong church background? And then how did that grow into you becoming a woman and actually owning the fact that yes, I am Adrian. Yes, I am a gay woman. Ooh, well, that's another, it's another whole episode. Um, well, if you could like maybe summarize. Okay. So basically, my first interactions were back in like preschool. I had no history or recollection of seeing any queerness on television in the eighties or anyone around me. That's an adult being queer. Um, the only sexual or I guess things that I had gone through at that, at that age was I did like, there were some older girls in the church Mm -hmm. that, you know, I, my, I, I, how do I say this? (laughs) I don't know. I won't go there. But like I said, there was no examples of being gay. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know anything was wrong. I just knew there was a girl in my church or there was a girl in my Sunday school. And I and I thought she was funny and we would kiss or we would hold hands or we would play house. Mm -hmm. I was always a daddy. I think everybody liked play house. but, But I didn't realize that playing house with my with my girlfriends in church was I didn't think it was anything. It didn't seem more wrong than playing house with a boy. Right. I knew we weren't supposed to be playing house. It just, it was never any, you shouldn't be gay yet. It wasn't until on the way to convention mm-hmm. one year, my mother was driving our van. I was in the back seat with my friend and I think we were holding hands or maybe kissing or whatever. And there was this turning point where I don't, I guess we were too quiet or not smart enough to be sneaky. Mm-hmm. Sneaking um, the wrong way. Yeah. I think I was 12. I was in the fifth grade. And all of a sudden, my mama, I saw this, like, look in the rear view, like, what y'all doing? Oh. What y'all doing back there? And I was like, froze. I just remember she pulled over to the side of the road. Mm -hmm. Um, 
she whooped the girl first. Ooh. She saved mine for the two-hour ride that we had left to torture me. Um, I remember her saying, don't call me mother. I'm not your mother. Uh, you aren't my daughter. And what you did, you're going to hell. In fact, I'm calling the, the adoption agency to come pick you up as soon as we get, get to our destination. The fear. What a bitch. The fear in my little 12-year-old heart that because I was holding hands or kid, I don't know what we were, what, what we got caught in doing, mm-hmm. but whatever it was, I knew that I was about to lose everything at 12, mm. at 11, Blue Ivy's age. I mean, as a mother, who's tormenting their child like that? You know, I've tried to make excuses for my upbringing and my caregivers for 40 plus years. And it wasn't until after I had my children and they were at those pivotal ages of 14, 15, 16, where it was I was faced with some of the same similar challenges of a teenager and angst trying to figure themselves out, expressing themselves or whatever. And it was just like, nah, you had a choice. Mm-hmm. You you had a choice and what and how you could have handled that. And you at that moment, she forced me to call her by her first name. I had never called. I would never was never allowed to. So that was where the split was for me. Mm. It was literally a split. So she had to make it real. Like, I'm not your mother. No. And she played that tormentive game all night. She had me think when we got that's when I got the ass whooping. Mm. I had to pick a bamboo stick out of the backyard. I'm not no tree switch, a bamboo stick. I know what them thick things mm-hmm. is. Go inside, take off my clothes, lay across the bed and get your ass whooping because this ain't me. God told me to do this. Then mm-hmm. that's when the, the homophobic scriptures came. That's when the I see you. I see you looking at Whitney Houston. Stop. I see like it was everything became. Homophobic. Mm. And so when you're 12 and there's also, again, no queer examples around you or on television. Mm -hmm. Of course, my mother, who's a minister, of course, my father, who's a pastor, of course, every leader in this church who preaches against it. Oh, these feelings that I've been having since I was five, six, seven are a sin. Mm -hmm. So now me wanting to wear pants, me wanting to wear jewelry, me being black, me being gay, everything about me now is a is a sin. So I left, I guess I'm just a sinning bitch and, and I'll ask God for forgiveness later. That's how well, it was. That's what they taught you. So no matter what your thoughts are, no matter what you do, ask God, repent, forgive, do it again, do it again. Do it again. Yeah. I mean, it's literally, in my opinion, Christianity is the easiest religion to be a part of. All you got to do is do your shit and ask for forgiveness later. So what did, well, sp- speaking of motherhood, what did you do differently with the girls, like with that background and, you know, no longer want to be connected or a part of that, but also, you know, having your spirituality beliefs and, you know, also having daughters who are queer. Man. How did you go differently about navigating that? I'll put it to you like this. When I was the oldest getting the brunt of the homophobic abuse from my pastor mother mm-hmm. and pastor father. During every beating, after every whooping, 
after every public shaming where I had to stand in front of the church and confess my sins or stand in front of my class and, and, and confess my sins, I would whisper this like subliminal message to myself like, I'm never going to treat my children like this. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to treat my kids like this. Mm -hmm. I was taught growing up as a preacher's daughter of what not to do. Mm -hmm. And everything else, unfortunately, I had to learn along the way when I had the resources to get the help to even know there was an issue. Right. Well, I think you did an amazing job. The girls are beautiful. They definitely can stand on their own two feet and combat and battle anybody that tries to come for them, <laughs> what they like. And it's just sad because it's like, like you say, having to stand up in front of the church, it's like public shame. Mm -hmm. And it's like the nerve of you to shame me for liking who I like when I can't help that. And at the same time, what about what you're doing? You're not going to public shame yourself. What about Uncle Johnny that's back there touching the, touching the little girl? Ain't nobody going to talk about that? The crazy thing is is it's a lot of hypocrisy in the black church in the church in general but my experience is the, is the black church mm -hmm. and there's a lot of hypocrisy and i think that in my teenage years was the number one headbutt because what they did was they used the bible as a punishment with me after my ass whooping i would have to go to my desk and write bible scriptures for hours and hours and hours and days mm. and days and days. Oh no. And so what happened was the worst thing they could do was give a girl like me the Bible. Cause what I did was I began to study and research it. And then I started using it against them because mm -hmm. their favorite verse was something like, uh, children obey your parents, children obey your parents or children respect your parents. They never said the last verse. What's the last verse? Do not provoke your children to anger. Mm. Uh-huh. Who gonna wipe that ass in that old folks home? Hmm. You better pray to God. You better hope one of them other siblings uh You better pray to the in. Lord. The Lord provide. Ain't it what you told me? <laughs> I'm a heathen. What you want with me? That part. I'm, I'm a sinner. What you want with me? I'm an abomination. What you want with me? Okay. What you want with these gay dollars? Nothing. I, my, my gay aid can't help you. I can't do nothing for you. Mm. I can't do anything for you. Because you don't, you don't even want to be... And trust me, I gave my parents and the church so, so many chances, honestly. Even after being disowned, um, pushed out into obscurity, losing my entire community, my entire uh, upbringing, my, my connections. I lost all of it when I was outed. Mm -hmm. All of it. And so it just, they call it church hurt. They say, oh, that's a preacher's kid who got church hurt. I think that's a buzzword. That's a part of their gaslighting. I was going to say, that's exactly what that sounds like. It sounds, oh, trust me. The church is the most, I think the church is the, is, I think the black church is the start of a lot of narcissistic abusive relationships in many women's lives. Mm. And they teach you to be submissive with it. They teach you to turn the other cheek with it. They teach you you are subordinate. You're a woman. Shut up. Know your place. Even though my mother was a pastor, it still is ingrained in Christianity, in the patriarchy, in white supremacy. It's the man. It's the woman. And it's the kids. And so me and my black ass, gay ass kid self, mm. I was definitely overlooked, never listened to, and never believed. 
I would remember researching all night long scriptures to try to prove, Mama, look, we can wear pants. Mm -hmm. We can wear pants. Mama, look. She said, no, the Bible verse says that you shouldn't wear the attire of, of a man. Right. But they were all in dresses first. So why are we wearing them? <laughs> that part. <laughs> like I was literally excited. Yeah. Like, yes, we can go shop and look. I found the loophole. It was. And then that's when it clicked. It wasn't about none of that. Mm -hmm. Shut the fuck up. Stop questioning me. Stop questioning God and go put on that goddamn size 16 skirt, even though you were size eight, because we don't want nobody looking at your shape. Oh, that's too much. Yeah, that's sad. I'm sorry you went through that, love. Well, what advice or what would you tell someone that might be listening that may have also grew up in the church and, you know, maybe they're trying to start their healing journey and, you know, deconstruct themselves from being a part of the church community, you know, as a queer person and also maybe somebody that's against it? Well, like I said, I don't want to try to shit on anyone's beliefs or I know there's a lot of queer people now that are being welcomed into the church. I think uh, statistically last I read like maybe six out of 10 black Americans do believe that you should incorporate uh, more queer individualism into the culture and I the community agree. in church. I agree. However, for me, I can't tell anyone what to do and who to believe and, and where to go. A lot of people's community is tied up in church. A lot of people's families tied up in church. And sometimes people just don't have the capacity or the space to operate, navigate this world without that community in itself. Yeah. So sometimes, you know, you may not have the nuts yet to leave your situation. But what I will say is I'm going to use a scripture and I don't know the exact quote, but, um, Study to show thyself approved always stuck out to me as a kid because a lot of people take that as study the word of God to show yourself worthy of preaching his word. But I found that studying to show myself approved was every time people tried to use biblical messages against me, against my lifestyle to judge me. I now had ammunition to use it back against them because I did study it. Mm. And so my parents didn't like that at 16, 17 years old. They was like, what you hold on. <laughs> What do you mean you out preaching me? <laughs> Hold on. They got pissed. Well, I bet. And then everything was don't question God. After that, it was don't question God. But he said, okay, to show thyself approved. <laughs> I got some questions. But that's another whole yeah. situation. As far as people who don't go, I don't go to church. You can't pay me to step foot in the church. I've turned down documentaries because they wanted me to step foot in the church. I've turned down funerals. Because it was in the church. I didn't turn down weddings because y'all didn't choose the beach. <laughs> you not you can't pay me. You can call it church hurt. All I know is I've read enough books mm -hmm. that predate the Bible. I've done enough cross-referencing. I've done years and years of research, listening to master lecturers, teachers, people who actually ex-pastors like my therapist herself is an ex-pastor who mm -hmm. specializes in deconstruction and Christianity so it's just like I know too much you can't use it against me yeah you can't go no. back Those... do I believe in a God do I believe in a creator absolutely but I also believe John 10 34 what's John 10 34 Jesus said himself did I is it not written in your law that ye are God's and this law cannot be broken. Uh-oh. 
That's in red. He said that. Oh, well, that says Uh-oh. that we, yourself, is yeah. Christ-like. They didn't like that. They said, consciousness. they said I was misinterpreting the word of God. And who am I to... How do you misinterpret that? It says right there. Right. From his mouth. It's in red. It says... But, you know, I was the black sheep. I was a scapegoat. Well, you know, somebody always got to be the leader. Listen, I w- it, back then it was a gaslit, autistic, undiagnosed girl who was really gifted and brilliant in school. It wasn't until I started questioning that book they had a problem with. AP anatomy ap calculus i was questioning everything that wasn't a problem science it wasn't a problem in biology it was church mm. what you mean you got questions shut up and sing <laughs> la 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 i'm just saying a lot of people in church trying to spew homophobic comments and scriptures in my comments and content and in my life you ain't even read the bible for yourself you don't want to come up over here don't come up over here because I'm gonna make you. I'm gonna make you question your whole belief system. They over there paraphrasing. That's what they doing. And and I will out paraphrase you and your favorite preacher. You know, I, I but see my thing is the reason why I don't come that like that in so, social media or in my in my content is because I think everyone has their own journey and because so much has changed. I've actually seen queer pastors that wasn't even in existence, it, not out in the open going up. So maybe it is a little better. I just can't tell you because I'm not ever going. Well, that makes sense. I wouldn't go yeah, either. I'm my church. Here. The body's a temple. He said that too. But Dang. okay. <laughs> so just, you know, to humor me, mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what you would call these pages or chapters or <laughs> sections, but isn't it like a from beginning to the end, like the name of, can you name all the like parts of the Bible? Parts? You mean books? You know, Revelations, Genesis. Oh, <laughs> yes. wait, is Genesis one? Yes. Yeah, Revel- Yeah, what them called? Unfortunately, what I still, I think I still remember. At least the Old Testament. I think okay. I still remember that. Let me hear it. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, I think, Zechariah, Malachi. I could have messed up the last little, but that's the first. That's the Old Testament. Girl, half them names I ain't never heard of. Well, I wasn't brought up in church. We went, you know, like the other black folks, you know, Occasionally, Christmas, Easter, Easter you the, know, the, lucky the communion. Ones, the lucky ones. <laughs> it was some members of my church that, that went occasionally. I think I would have turned out much better if it wasn't so beat into me. I know. That was also your school, girl. It was like you just could not get away from it. Mm-hmm. Ooh, child. It was like my parents were hood as fuck. Coming from a gangster hood lifestyle, and I guess found the Lord when the economy and capitalism beat their ass as adults. And they just, which I do think a lot of our community unfortunately runs to church because of that. Yeah. We're an emotional people, and people are hurting. People are scared. People need hope. Yeah. And where do you go? The first place that was taught for us to commune in this country was, was the, the church. We was given Jesus through slavery. Mm. That was my first issue. When they actually took away the real power that we actually had Uh-oh. and tried to use that against us Uh-oh. 
to give us something that they wanted to control us by. Absolutely. And a lot of people like to say, oh, well, Christianity started in Ethiopia. <laughs> that was technically the first. It was different. It's a different kind. Co- Shut up. We talking about the white supremacist, patriarchal, slavery induced. I'm going to beat this into you till you listen to your master, chattel slavery, Christianity. Anything outside of that, we not talking about you. Mm. We talking about when the first ships came over here, even the slave ships was named Jesus. People was beating Christianity into you and your children and your husband and then made you work out in the slave and said, we're going to give you your gold later. But nigga, you going to give me mine now. No, they, go, they would have to see me in the street. See me. In that the, was in my them, issue. Because you're not going to teach me slavery in, in school and then me come back and worship the same God the slave masters put in us. Hold up! I'm the kid. Why there ain't no adults in here seeing this? That that was my issue. That's because they was stuck in it too. How do how are you gonna heal from something your oppressor gave you? He's God. This God that we're all praying to. Because I think Malcolm X said something like the most segregated moment. Uh, in America is high noon on Sunday mm-hmm. where there's the black church and the, there's the white church. And like I said, I had to experience both. My parents were the, the pastors and preachers of a black church and I went to school at the white church. God was answering one of them prayers because we was we was praying and begging and I saw y'all shouting and shut-ins and them stank-ass pews we had to get on our knees and pray to every goddamn time we was there. God, these niggas is poor. Okay, they hurting. Her abusive husband just ran in the church, snatched her by her. I mean, all I could write movies on the shit I seen growing up in church. But at my white private Christian school, it was glorious. I mean, there were luxury cars and gold ceilings. And this is a private school that had did not have to beg people for three and four offerings just to give to the bank the next day and not be approved for a home loan, business loan or any other kind of loan. Okay, because they're giving it to Michael who actually is the father of my white Christian school. Mm. I had some, I had some comparisons very young because he answered one of our prayers, guys. I, I look on the news. Mm-hmm. I see the homelessness. I see their color. God ain't answering one of our prayers. This was before the research of the ancient books and studies. Well, that, so, that was obvious. I was just wondering why it wasn't obvious to the adults around me. Why wasn't I being taught? The stuff that predates it. What were we worshiping in Africa? Oh, the devil. (laughs) With the pyramids and all the (laughs) ancient technologies. (laughs) I think not, sir. The street lights and the bathing. All of those things were (laughs) demonic. All All the things that we invented was of the devil. Mm. You better say it, Muse. You better say it, Muse. Okay, so with all that being said, do you have, like, any auntie advice? I think we call it auntie advice. Like, you know, we're aunties on TikTok, and, you know, we just kind of took on the name of being the queer auntie. So I guess I'll just call this segment, like, you know, TT advice, auntie advice. You know, maybe we'll give it a name later. But do you have any auntie advice for someone that might be in the queer community that's looking for spiritual practices or spiritual things that they can do to advance themselves as they continue to live in this, right. you know, life that we're living. Cause life is life right now. It definitely is. Um, I'm a firm believer in looking within it's worked for me. There was never anything outside of myself that brought me any type of healing, any type of spiritual light enlightenment that didn't first begin inside of me. Even if that first spark inside of me was a question, 
mm-hmm. even if it was an intuitive like feeling of maybe I should read this book or maybe I should watch this documentary or maybe I should go book an appointment with this therapist or maybe I should ask these questions to someone outside of my religious practice just to get like a, a, a clear contrast of like, you know, I just really feel like anything that takes away from your autonomy is something you should question. Even if you don't trust yourself yet, even if you don't even have faith in yourself of, or even love yourself, that's still a beginning. Why? Look within and it hurts and it's hard and it's a struggle and because everyone's going through it. Mm-hmm. But you are God. It's in your it's in the word. I, I agree with that. Like, I feel like like you said, anything that doesn't feel natural to yourself or makes you feel like you have to question the things that you love, the way that you like to, you know, operate or show up in the world. All those things you should question and definitely figure out. You always told me why. Why do I feel this way? Okay, then keep asking why. And then keep asking and ask another question. Well, why do you feel that? Well, why do you feel that? Well, why do you feel that? And then you just go, then before you know it, you done dig all the way back to yeah. whoever might have told you that that's the way you should be or yeah. where you might have picked that up from, from somebody else or another right. energy that you just possessed over time. Like that really is the way that I think you, like you say, you start healing and really start walking this earth like your tattoo says to thine own self be true and the only way that I feel like you can actually be true to yourself is like you said by looking within because if you don't know you then how else are you going to exactly people look at oh you have crystals or oh you read tarot or oh you burn incense and y'all worried about that (laughs) kind of spell work no 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 the second you do not have your own mind to think your own thoughts and act on your own accord, that is spell work. A lot of people are under the biggest, most massive spells without any clue. In fact, I'll use another Bible verse. It literally says that even in the end days, even the very elect shall be deceived, which means even the wisest, the most intellectual people walking the face of this earth, you're still walking in the old earth. You're still walking in the old world, the way things used to be. And anything that represents something that's different and outside of that, you try to outcast it. You try to oppress it. That's why books are getting canceled. Laws are being reversed. Uh, White supremacy and white Christian nationality is literally taking over this country because they are using it to mind control. Literally, the key word is control. Mm -hmm. If you're a part of the Christian religion or the church, And again, you don't feel like that relates to you or you're not at a place higher in your church's official ranking to see what it really is, then I'm not talking to you. But I am talking to the to the people who were like me and don't know where to go and don't know where to look. And I'm just going to say, look inside yourself and any freaking question that you have inside. You do everything that you can in your power to research your answer until you're satisfied. Not the first Google search, not the the first biblical search. Look outside that book. I like that. And I think that's probably the realest thing that I think it's a great start. I think everybody can literally start there. It just makes the most sense. And like speaking of like looking within yourself. Well, yeah, it reminds me of this quote by Carl Jung. And it says, I am not what happened to me. I am what I choose to become. I love that. And I think you 
I love that. are the epitome of the person who has actually lived their life like that. Like mm-hmm. from your background to the magical being beautiful person that you are now, your past did not define the woman that you are today. True. And, and it's a it's a daily thing. It's something that I have to wake up, meditate and journal over. Um, I'm completely self-aware of my thoughts um, so that I don't regurgitate subconscious and unconscious belief systems that mm-hmm. may or may not be worked on yet. So but other than that, I it's been a long journey. It has not been easy, uh, but I am here. My therapist said most people in my situation don't make it this long. And so I know that that was all me and that had nothing to do with a a guy that couldn't even take lesbianism out of my heart every time I prayed to him (laughs) in middle school and high school. (laughs) Just saying, either it ain't a sin or that nigga wasn't real. So what are you going to do? I believe in Christ's consciousness. I believe that's what he was trying to tell us. I believe, um, what was his name? Jesus Christ. Okay, you asking the wrong person. Yeah, right? I, I show Lamb. I think Christ is like a title. It's not his last name. Oh, yeah, there were many Christs. In other words, Christ. I literally thought Christ was his last name because people always say Jesus Christ. I bet you. And mm. then I always thought God was someone else. He's his daddy. What are women? What what are women? And Mary. Well, she was a teenage virgin who did not give consent, so we don't <laughs> even want to go on that. I had so many questions on that story. Oh my god! Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm 14. What you mean? What you mean? You can't, I was afraid that I could come at any point in time because I was the quote unquote chosen preacher that he was gonna come impregnate me with the second coming. Oh no! Ugh, Imagine just... having those fucking thoughts. But then it went away easily because I was like, never mind. I'm not white. Can never get me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Dodge the bullet. <laughs> right. I really enjoyed this talking to you. I really feel like it's healing for me I wasn't expecting that so I'm looking forward to this I'm definitely ADHD so (laughs) hopefully we stick to it as long as it's interesting (laughs) we will I feel like the community like is going to like be glad that we're doing this like I will say I learned a few more things like with you talking about your background, I mean, we talk about this stuff all the time, but mm-hmm. just the fact that you digged a little bit deeper, it's well, just yeah, like, wow. Great questions. Thank you know, you. it's just, I was trying to ask questions, you know, from a perspective of a person who didn't grow up in the church, but also maybe questions that, yeah. you know, the, the people might have. So, you know, just don't forget, like we said, if you have questions or maybe want to talk about a few topics, make sure you DM us on the Muses Unsuppressed Instagram and we will choose your question or, you know, whatever yes. that is. I know you guys are probably going to do a lot of them, but, you know, DM us there. <laughs> yeah, we, I, I feel like we could talk about, I feel like we could talk about a lot of things. Mental health, LGBTQ, living in LA, being gay, these fake ass niggas out here. Okay, relationships, uh, friends, motherhood, yes. hot topics, I stay on them. You okay. know, as an artist, I got to keep my my finger on the pulse of the culture, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Astrology. Uh, oh, don't even get me started. I know y'all. No, I feel like everybody's into astrology now or that's like becoming a thing. But that would be a great episode that we could do with the girls. You know, they're really good into that, too. They really are. They're like little astrology like savants. But, you know, <laughs> where do they get it from? Even a toot your horn, baby. You know, the, 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 the child wearing has been completed. <laughs> you feel me? I, I feel like 
we did a great job. Yeah, we definitely did. Um, this was fun. I'm looking forward to many, many, many more. We have so mm-hmm. many different things we can talk about. And I'm so excited to share this journey, not only with you, Queen, but also with for all sure. of you that's watching and listening. Yeah. Yes. Thank y'all so much for joining us. I had fun. I'm ready for episode two. We're going to make them do it, man. Them yeah. girls going to come on. I know they will. I believe they will. Because, you know, now they like to, you know, yeah. really show up in our videos. Now, right. that, you know. We weren't really planning on having no guests yet. You know, we just got these good two mics, but we'll, we'll make it work. <laughs> right. We, we, this will evolve and over time. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. We all had to start somewhere, but we're starting. So yeah. thank y'all for tuning in, for listening, for watching, and stay tuned to the next episode with the Muses Unsuppressed. And this is the end. <laughs>